This morning we are continuing in our sermon series on the Gospel of John, and today we move past the introduction in verses 1 through 18, and we're moving into the actual events of Jesus' life. But before Jesus does much of anything, we are introduced to John the Baptist and his ministry. Now remember, the John who wrote the Gospel of John is not John the Baptist. The John who wrote the Gospel of John is the disciple John. And so John is writing about John. They're not the same John. And so we're going to learn today more about John the Baptist and his ministry. So you can open up your bulletins or your Bibles. We're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. John 1, 19 through 34. Hear the word of God. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we give thanks for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks, and just as John made known who Jesus was, so your word makes known to us who Jesus is. And so God, make yourself known through the scriptures today. Use me in spite of my sin and weakness. May you be strong in my weakness and overcome my sinfulness, O God, to proclaim the word clearly. And give us open hearts and minds and open ears to hear, O God, and to receive your word as your word. Move, O Spirit, in the power of your word, and so mold and shape us that we would know Christ more, 
and know how He has saved us and sent us to be His witnesses. In Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning, the big question I want us thinking about as we look at this Scripture text is this. What gives Christians the right to tell people that they are sinners who must be saved by Jesus? What gives Christians the right to tell people you are a sinner and you must be saved by Jesus? That's what's on our minds today. And we are thinking a lot about the idea of being sent. And so first we're going to look at how these Jewish religious leaders were sent and what they were sent to do. And then we're going to look at how John the Baptist was sent to do something. And finally, asking ourselves, what have we been sent to do? And so our sermon passage begins with the Jewish leaders sending delegates from Jerusalem to learn what was John up to out in the wilderness. These priests and Levites are on official business to investigate the ministry of Jesus. And so, or of John. And so they travel some 50 miles from Jerusalem to Bethany across the Jordan River where John was baptizing. And they ask, who are you? Now, that's kind of a summary question because they, they kind of knew who John was. Because John was the son of a priest, Zechariah. We learn about that at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Which means that John was from the tribe of Levi and therefore a Levite. And who did... Who got sent to investigate him? Priests and Levites. You'd think they would know one of their own. But even though they knew those details, they wanted to know what John thought of himself. Did he consider himself the Christ? That is the Greek title for the Messiah. Was he the Messiah? No, not that. Well then, are you Elijah, the prophet of the Old Testament, who Malachi promises will come back on the day of the Lord? Nah, I'm not him either. Well, then you must be the prophet promised in Deuteronomy 18 that would be just like Moses and would come and be the greater prophet than Moses. Yeah, I'm not that guy either. And the religious leaders, you can tell, grew tired of John's denials. And so in verse 22, they say, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? These questioners give off a really strong vibe of like, come on, mister. Just answer my question. Like, I don't want to get in trouble with my boss. Just, just tell me who you are, please. And so John does answer their question. And he answers with another Old Testament scripture reference from Isaiah 40, saying, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. So John de-emphasizes who he is and says, I am just a voice. The message matters more than the man. Don't worry about who I am. Just listen to what I say. Now, as helpful as that answer was, and as true as it was, in verse 25, they follow up and they ask, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor, the, uh, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Now, I'm going to say something that I'm not going to say very much as we go through the Gospel of John. And that is, the Pharisees are right. I know, don't worry, we're going to talk about how wrong they are on many other occasions. But right here, they're actually right. The questioners are asking John, why are you baptizing people? 
See, ceremonial washings like baptism were not totally unheard of. That any Gentiles that converted to Judaism would be washed ritually in order to say, I'm getting rid of my Gentile uncleanness and making myself a Jew. Some Jews who wanted to be purer would join different sects or splinter groups, and they may wash themselves as a sign that we are going to be a pure group of Jews living together. But in all of those instances, the person being baptized would baptize themselves. They would wash themselves. But John is telling people they need to be baptized by him. And that was new. And the Pharisees and other religious leaders had every right to ask, who do you think you are? And so the questioners want to know, what gives you the right, John, to tell not just Gentiles, but everyone, including holy Jews like us, that we need to be washed clean, that we need to be baptized by you, What's so special about you and your baptism? Now, those are really good questions. In fact, they're questions that we may have heard in different words about Christianity. What gives Christians the right to tell other people that they are sinners who will be judged by God unless they believe in Jesus? That's a fair question. We may even ask ourselves that question. How can I possibly tell someone that they are a sinner in the eyes of God and that they will go to hell if they do not trust in Jesus? Not just, hey, you should believe in Jesus, but you must believe in Jesus. See, we live in a time where such bold truth claims are met with indifference. People saying, well, that's just like your opinion, man. Like, I'm not really that interested. The religious leaders, similarly, were curious why John thought he could make such bold claims, saying, all of you are sinful. All of you need to be washed clean by my baptism. Who did John think he was? Well, in the following verses, John explains, here's who I think I am. John sees himself as a nobody. As a nobody who has been given a very important message to proclaim. And we see that in all the different ways he talks about himself. We see it in how he describes his baptism. In verse 26, John says, I baptize with water. But then later in verse 33, he talks about how Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John is saying that his baptism is a mere sign. There's no real power in his baptism to take away sins. Rather, it is symbolic that we need our sins to be washed away by someone else. John didn't have access to magic water. He didn't have a really good scrub brush that could get all the sin off of us. His baptism points beyond itself. And John shows us it points to Jesus. So in verse 29, he says loudly, Behold! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John says, here is the one who can take away sins. He is the substance of my baptism because he can baptize with the Holy Spirit. He has the power to change us on the inside. Just as we read in our Old Testament reading from Ezekiel 36. 
that John just does a ritual with water. But he is proclaiming that he knows who can really take our sins away. So he is nobody pointing us to somebody important. To the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. The Lamb who, like the sacrificial lambs, dies in our place to be an atonement for our sins. Taking the punishment we deserve so that we can be forgiven. And all John's water baptism does is point us in that direction. And so John says, my baptism shows I'm a nobody with an important message. It's not just that, but it's his attitude. We see this in his attitude where John says that I am not worthy to untie the strap of Jesus' sandal. Now, in John's day, disciples of rabbis were required to obey and serve their rabbis in many different ways. But one thing they were not required to do was to touch their feet and wash them. And that's a good thing because they were some nasty feet. Just really gross. Whatever the grossest feet are you've seen in this life, not even close to what they were doing. That the job of taking off sandals and washing feet was for the lowest of the low servants. And yet John says, I am not worthy of doing that job. I am lower than that. When it comes to serving Jesus, I am not worthy of even the most menial task of serving Him because I'm a nobody before God. And yet, even though He sees Himself in that lowly position, He has been given an important task of making Jesus known. In verse 31, we read, For this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he, Jesus, might be revealed to Israel. That John has the great privilege of pointing people to the Messiah, saying, here is the Son of God. Here is the one who has been promised. He is like the servant of the king, who is sent as a herald with a royal message. He's nobody, but the words he speaks are royal. John speaks what God has told him to say. And whenever God clearly revealed that Jesus is the guy by having the Holy Spirit descend and remain on him, he's ready to say, that's the one. Here's the guy. I'm nobody, but that guy right there, he's somebody. So John, when he viewed himself as this nobody with a very important message, All of that is shaped by the fact that John sees himself as one sent by God. That just as the questioners were sent by those in authority to investigate John, so also John was sent by God for the purpose of pointing people to Jesus. And so if you are being sent by somebody, that means you are under their authority. And therefore, he is nothing more than a humble servant of the Almighty God. If God can tell him, go, and he goes, he's nobody. He's a servant of the king. But being sent also means that John acts with the authority of the one who sent him, proclaiming the very word of God with boldness. He knows that he is nothing compared to the one he serves. And so John is just a mirror. Anytime anyone tries to look at him, it's like, point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. John Calvert writes it without looking so weird. He says this, John wants to abase himself as much as he can in case any honor is mistakenly given to him which would obscure the superiority of Christ. John knows that he's not the answer to people's needs. He can't save people. 
but he can point them in the right direction. He can lead them to Jesus. And it was for that purpose he was sent. So as we look at this portion of Scripture, we see the Jewish delegates were sent with the authority of the religious leaders to question John. And we see that John is sent with the authority of God to prepare the way for Jesus by baptizing with water. But we also need to see that we as followers of Jesus have been sent by God. Our New Testament reading is called the Great Commission. It is Jesus sending his disciples to be his witnesses in the world. And Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Notice how Jesus starts. Before he even says go, he says, All authority has been given to me. Authority over you. Authority over heaven and earth. And with this authority, I am telling you, go. He says this to his disciples, which means to extension the entire church, that we are to be as witnesses to the world. The problem is, as Christians, we don't always see ourselves as those whom are sent. We see ourselves wrongly. That we invert John's perception of himself and end up with a backwards opinion of who we are and what we are called to do. We think we are better than a nobody, and yet we ignore how we have been sent with an important message. See, John saw himself as a humble servant, so lowly that he was unworthy of doing the most menial tasks. But we tend not to see ourselves the same way. We tend to think that we are above such menial service. We think that somehow we have veto power on what God asks us to do. We think of God's commands as requests rather than direct orders. We answer God with, I'll get around to it, instead of, I'll get right on it. But John had the attitude of a humble servant, seeing that he was under the authority of God and God had every right to say, go, and he would follow and do, and he would do it. Do you count it an awesome privilege to serve Jesus in any capacity? In a way that no one sees? In a way that is exhausting? In a way that's really hard? Or do you feel busy with more important things to do? Strangely, one of the commands that we tend not to obey and are very reluctant to obey is bearing witness to the truth of, that God has given us to share. We think we have no right to speak firmly, forgetting that we are sent with authority. We fear that we will step on people's toes or hurt their feelings or offend them. And so we think we are below witnessing. Above service and yet below witnessing. Who am I to tell other people they are sinners? Who am I to say they must believe in Jesus in order to be saved? John, however, had no hesitancy about his message. He boldly proclaimed the good news, calling people to repent and believe in Jesus Christ as the one who forgives sins. And yet we are like those who are heralds who are too nervous to say, thus says the king. 
So how do we get past this? How do we correct this imbalance in our thinking that we are above service and yet below witnessing? Well, we must remember we have been sent by God. That we are under God's authority and that Jesus' commission is a direct order from our King. Jesus did not say to His disciples before He ascended into heaven, and if you have time while on earth, make disciples of the nations that you think are convenient. He did not say, you outgoing mature Christians over there, go make disciples. He did not say, pastors and knowledgeable believers, go and make the disciples for everyone else. No, He sent us by His authority. Are we above the commands of Jesus? Do we feel His commands do not apply to us? See, when Jesus sends us, He sends us with His authority. I know that even as a pastor, I get nervous calling people to repent and believe, to follow Jesus and obey His commands. I act way too more often like this, that I, I, I hate to bother you, but would you be interested in some Jesus? I have less enthusiasm than the free samples people at Sam's Club. That they are more willing to talk to you than I am about Jesus. And yet Christ sends us with authority to proclaim the greatest truth in the entire world. So who am I to tell sinners they need to believe in Jesus? I am an ambassador for the King of heaven and earth. The Lord of all creation. And He has a message to get out to the world. Now I get it. No one likes to be uncomfortable. You'd rather not think about having awkward conversations where you stumble over your words about Jesus, but Jesus sends those whom He saves. He purchases us with His blood. He redeems us from slavery and sin. He brings us from death to life. He takes rebels like us and makes us ambassadors and heralds of the King, sending us with His authority, the highest authority in the universe, with a glorious mission to make Jesus known. And so we should ask the very questions the Pharisees ask. Who are we? Who are we to share such a message? But we do not ask it with reluctance. We ask it with wonder. For we are nobodies just like John. But nobodies who have been saved and sent with authority to proclaim the good news. So let us go and obey the command of Christ our King and like John, point people to Jesus. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank You for how You have saved us. May we not be silent about that salvation. May we boldly proclaim the good news to others. May we not fear their disapproval more than we fear Your disapproval. May we delight in obeying Your commands, oh God. Help us to love how you save us so much that we want to tell other people. Lord, give us a zeal for the lost. A zeal for the gospel and ambition, a godly ambition to go and share the good news of Christ with others. Lord, you have positioned each of us in strategic places as the commander of an army places his troops. And we are near those who are lost, who are prisoners of war held captive by Satan. Lord, may we go and proclaim freedom in Christ to them. 
And may we do so joyfully, humbly, and boldly as those whom you have sent. In Jesus' name, amen.